Well, good evening, everybody. How you guys feeling? Awesome. Great. Well, hey, welcome, welcome to Genesis, man. We're so glad that you guys are here tonight. And uh, tonight we have a special treat. We actually have a great friend of mine and also pastor here at Northwood. Pastor Corey is going to be speaking to us tonight. He's the student pastor at NSM, so I'm going to pass it over to him. He's got a great word for us tonight. Awesome. Well, uh, my name is Corey, and it's kind of cool because this is uh, Genesis, and just I'm only in here like once a year, and, uh, and I like sharing this every time I get in here, that Genesis is where I really gave my heart to the Lord. Like Genesis is where I kind of, at 20 years old, found God and found God's calling for my life. And so uh, every time I'm in here, it's like a humbling experience because the seat you're in right now might be the seat where God changes the direction of your life. And so every time I'm in here, it's humbling because it takes me back to where I was and now seeing where my life is, because this is my last year in like that 20-something age. I'm 29 this year, and so I'm like reflecting back, and, and, and I'm just in awe of the fact of where God has carried me because of his goodness and uh, just his sovereignty, his plan. And so I'm, I'm really excited when I get to be in here uh, with you guys. And so there's a, there's a piece of paper under your seat, uh, and it has the word fake written on it, and that doesn't mean you're fake if you're sitting there, because on the other side, there's a word that says true, okay? And so... Uh, Genesis is, we're in this series called Fake News, okay, and, uh, and so I thought it would be fun if we did a little game, okay, so I want to show you some articles I found uh, that are considered to be maybe fake news, and I want to see how good of a job we can do determining whether it is fake news or not, and so the game is really easy, and like I said, I'm used to working with students, and so I don't have to explain it 900 times to you. If you think it's fake, you're going to hold up the word that says fake. And if you think it's true, you're going to hold up the word that says, and if you don't know, you're going to hold up the word that says, uh, exactly. All right. So <laughs> here we go. Here, here's the first one uh, that President Trump this year said that Amazon is bankrupting the U.S. Postal Service. This year, President, President Trump said that Amazon is bankrupting the U.S. Postal Service. This, ladies and gentlemen, is fake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jake, Jake King, well done. Wait, I saw you turn your paper there at the end. Well, well done. Here we go, here we go. Here's another one. A person was hospitalized after an Apple AirPod earbud exploded in their ear. Exploded in their ear. I love how it said they were hospitalized, not like they lived, not like they're okay now, just they were hospitalized. Apple doesn't want to release how damaging that really was. Um, this is a story of a girl. Sorry. <laughs> Anybody notice? <laughs> I don't know why that came to me all of a sudden. This is a story of a girl. Um, this is fake. Fake news. Fake news. Like three of you got that one. Well, well done. All right, here, here's another one. A woman died after contracting a brain-eating amoeba from using tap water in her neti pot. Not like in the lake. A neti pot is that thing where you like try to clear your sinuses and you're like Humpty Dumpty and you tip over and like, you know, pour out the nose. So water in her neti pot. If someone doesn't have a rap name named Little Neti, that's, that's next. All right, Little Neti. This is True. True. Start keeping score. I mean, go through, keep score. Here we go. Here's another one. You only use 10% of your brain. You only use 10% of your brain. This is fake.
fake. Fake. Some of us choose to only use 10% of our brain, but this is, uh, this, is, this is fake. Here we go. Here's another one. In your lifetime, you'll produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. My immediate question is, what size swimming pools are these? <laughs> Kitty pools, right. This is incredible. Every single person put up true, and it is true. Round of applause. Everybody got that one right. There you go. Here you go. A child could swim through the veins of a blue whale. A child. Once again, I ask, how large is that child? A child could swim through the veins of a blue whale. This is true. This is true. It's in Finding Dory. Here's another one. The youngest person to ever climb Mount Everest was 10 years old. The youngest person to ever climb Mount Everest was 10 years old. Sherpas. This is fake. Fake news. All right, one more, one more. Shaving makes hair grow back faster. This one has a lot of, uh, I feel like this one has a lot of personal emotion. Like, like, some of us just got blessed at, like, seven. Uh, others of us are still working on that blessing, all right? This is fake news. Fake news. Fake news. I'm sorry, um, but if you can grow a beard and God blessed you with it, I'm like, why wouldn't you, okay? And so, uh, but here's the truth about, like, uh, uh, things that are true or false or fake news, that the more we want something to be true, the more likely we are to believe it being true. The more we want something to be true, the more likely we are to believe that it is true. Uh, so at my house, in the mail, sometimes I get these, like, you want a free car scratch off things that you, like, it's like a lottery winner, okay? So I got a few of them in the mail, and then one day I was like, I'm going to play, and I scratched it off, and I won. And so I drove down to the dealership where I was supposed to get my free car, and instead they gave me a quarter and said, thanks for playing. Because I wanted it to be true. I thought it was supposed to be true. Like, here's the truth about humanity with each of us. We have a tendency to believe the validity of something based upon how we feel about it. If our feelings like it, it's more often that we're going to want to believe it's true. But if our feelings don't like it, it's more likely that we're going to kind of go, ah, I don't know if that's true or not. If it sounds good, we're more inclined to believe it to be true. Uh, me and my wife, Rachel, okay, we've been married coming up on seven years, and uh, for our honeymoon, honeymoon, we went on a cruise. And, uh, and while we were at the cruise, for whatever reason, we were laying in the bed and we were looking out the window of our cruise bedroom and it was a thunderstorm, okay? And for whatever reason, this thought came to my head that said, how is it lightning? Because I thought lightning came from the ground. And I, so I looked at her and I just said like, hey, how's it lightning out? I thought lightning came from the ground. And she said, you're an idiot. Lightning comes from the sky. And I said, you're an idiot. And then she was like, get out of our room, okay? And so, like, like we had this argument going on that we both felt really strongly about. And the truth was we were both wrong because it comes from the middle and comes from both of them. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But the more we want something to be true, the more likely we are to believe that it is true. And so in this fake news series, we're going to be talking about some myths that might sound good, that we might want to be true, but we got to really wrestle them up against God's word and see what God has to say about it. And I want to take us all the way back to Genesis for a second because 
There was a lie given to Eve at the beginning that said this, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. Now that lie sounds really, really good. And I'm sure in her heart, she wanted that to be true. She wanted that to be real, but then you see that she bit into it and gave it to Adam, and you see that the lie was actually a lie. As much as she wanted it to be true, as much as she probably felt about that truth and how much she wished that was the case, we see that it was actually a, a lie. And if there's a target for our age, if there's a target for this generation, it's this, that, that we're not just pursuing truth, but we're pursuing the things that we want to feel are true. And it can be really dangerous if we're just trying to pursue things that feel good and not really pursuing the truth that actually God has for us. And, and Paul writes about this struggle a little bit in Romans 1. And if you have notes, and I say this to my students every single week, and here's the case, at this age it should be the same. I think note takers are history makers. You're gonna remember more of what you write down. The more you engage in God's word, the more likely he is to speak and say something to you. And, uh, and, and I believe this every single time I come to God. If I'm willing to listen, he's always willing to speak. And so if we're willing to listen tonight, he's gonna be willing to speak. But Paul kind of says this challenge in Romans 125. He says this, that, that the people, they, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who's worthy of eternal praise. And if there's something that we see in our culture today, it's this, that a lot of us pursue after all the things that God made because they look good, they sound good, they feel good. But the lie is that God's actually calling us to pursue after him. And we see that the original lie was that, was that trade of saying, hey, this is what truth is perceived to be, but not really what it is. And so tonight we're gonna look at a myth uh, that is something we wish and we would want and that at times in my life when I, when I stumbled, like I wished this would be true and even in current circumstances, I wish this myth would be true and it's this, that, that Christianity, that our faith in Jesus fixes all of our problems. We're gonna look at the myth tonight that says that Christianity, that our faith in Jesus solves all of our problems. This is something that uh, probably comes up in conversation a bit and maybe you have wrestled with in your own head and chances are you have. It's that I've placed my faith in God. I didn't think things were supposed to be this way. I've trusted in Jesus. I didn't think it was supposed to be this hard. If I'm saved, why am I still struggling? If I've given my life to Jesus, isn't, aren't I supposed to be happier? If I've said yes to Jesus, aren't things in my life supposed to get better? And so this is a myth that really wrestles with the tension of faith altogether and why I'm so excited to dive into it tonight because it's not enough time to talk about every little angle of this, but I do think through wrestling through some of this tension tonight, God's going to give us some understanding of what it looks like for Jesus to tackle the question about how he handles problems in our lives. And if it was an easy, quick look, we could just say this, that we know this myth isn't true because if you read the Bible, you'll see countless times of people like Paul, who was imprisoned, that life didn't get better and then even died for the sake of the gospel. You see the disciples who followed after Jesus closely, but yet again, all of them were pretty much murdered for believing in Jesus. And so the quick look is this, that in the same way, just because you learn to ride a bike doesn't mean you don't fall off. Just because you place your faith in Jesus doesn't mean your life's gonna be better. That's the easy way of tackling it, okay? But you're not here tonight because you want something easy. Like you're here tonight because you're wrestling with things and you want some hard truth that actually is gonna anchor into your soul a little bit other than just an easy answer. 
And so tonight, I don't want to give an easy answer. Tonight, I actually want to present some struggle and present some problems and some pre- present some new ways of maybe looking at some situations in your life. And I want to lay it before God and just say, God, what do you have to speak about this? And so would you guys pray with me? And then I, uh, we're going to have some fun talking through this a little bit tonight. So Lord, I thank you for every single life you have brought into this building, God. It's not by accident, but God, you've ordained a seat for a reason. And God, it's through this seat in this place that I pray that every single person in this room would understand they have a seat in your kingdom. And God, we know that tonight you're gonna wanna speak and do something that only you can do. And so God, what we do is we turn our hearts to you, we turn the posture of our lives to you, God, and we give you our ears tonight, Lord. And we say, speak like only you can. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. I think when it comes to uh, problems, there's really just two main sources where we see all the problems we can really just fit into a category. Now, here's, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw something on the board, and let me be honest with you. I'm not an artist by any means, okay? Every single gifting that God gave me in art all went to music. I can't draw a circle. I can, we'll, we'll see. Okay, here we go. I'm going to try to draw a person as, as good as I can. And I feel like maybe I can make him a little cross-eyed. I spend a lot of time drawing with my kids. My five-year-old draws better than me. He's, got, he's a linebacker. His name is Charles. I met somebody from UCF tonight. This is Charles from UCF. This guy is thick, okay? And uh, we'll just go with uh, pants. Maybe a, a top hat. Just for fun, okay? I think, I think there's, there's maybe just two main sources of all the problems we might encounter or all the problems we can even think of. And the, and the first one is this, that the problem is, uh, that we face are one, internal. Internal. So things like this, uh, problems that we face when it comes to maybe our emotions, when it comes to maybe our decisions, problems that we face when it comes to our, uh, maybe our struggles, or when it comes to our habits, uh, when it comes to our outlooks on life and the way things are, I have some others written down. When it comes to uh, our actions or our motives, all right, so we, we can all agree that there is this problem of internal, right? We have some problems internally, okay? That's one category we can put the word problem into, internal problems. The other one we can put a category on is this, external. That there's external problems that aren't necessarily inside of ourselves, but that we experience in our world. So things like this, like, uh, like relationships. If you're in this room tonight and you don't have any problems with any relationships you are in, come be a leader, okay? <laughs> All right, relationships. Family. Everybody has struggles with relationships and family. How about, uh, how about jobs? Anybody got any problems with their jobs? Okay. How about school? You got any problems with school? Huh? At all? No? Nobody? Friendships? Okay. Some problems there. I got some other things written down as well. How about this? Ooh, here's a good one. How about your house? Anybody ever have problems at their house? 
Yeah, at all? You ever have like something break? Now, if you rent, you're lucky because your problem is somebody else's problem. So you're just like, hey, I got a problem. Come fix this for me. You can even call for light bulbs when you're renting. You're like, hey, I got a light bulb out. And they're like, hey, I'll be right down there. Hey, no problem at all. All right, a house, or here's a big one. Here you go. Anybody ever have a problem with their car? <laughs> huh? Anybody have a problem with their, with their car? But let's get bigger than that. How about some external problems? And here's where we can get a little opposite on some things. How about, like, our external problems with how we feel or how we think or what we look at when it comes to, like, the government? Or how about when it comes to maybe this, some brokenness we see in our world? How about external problems like poverty? Or external problems like uh, racism? Or external problems of whatever it may be? Okay, so we're going to indicate these two things, that there's, that there's some internal problems, right? And there is some external problems. Two categories we can kind of fit all of them into. And, and this is what I kind of want to say looking at that original trait of truth, that the internal problems, we're going to call this personal sin. And external problems, I'm just going to say EXT, we're going to say this, they are the byproduct of sin. And not that every single one of these are a current problem, but every single one of these are susceptible to being a problem. And so we're going to look at personal problems tonight. And like I said, I want to wrestle with some, some hard truth of this, that the personal things we wrestle with, let's call it what it is. Problems, we'll call it sin. The external things that maybe aren't the things that we've caused, guess what? They're still a byproduct of sin in the fall, that original trade. And so these are the two things we're going to kind of, kind of see tonight. But in order to do this, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to kind of wrap this or rope this into maybe just like one big thing. Because here's the truth tonight. That though the myth is that Jesus solves all of our problems is not true, that Jesus does have a plan for all of our problems is true. And in order to do that, I want to kind of take a big scope of looking at the word problem, looking at the word sin, and looking at God's solution uh, for it. And so we're going to be in the book of Ephesians tonight. And uh, Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to the church of Ephesus, and it's kind of cool because the reason for his writing, the reason he did this letter was to reveal to them, to talk with them, to have a discussion with them about God's big plan, about God's eternal plan, about God's sovereign plan. And so I could imagine it was a group a lot like you and me that maybe have said yes to Jesus, maybe have been interested in Jesus, maybe have tinkered in and out of church, but yet again are still wrestling with the bigness of God, are you really big enough to handle this in my life? God, are you really in control of some of these situations in my life? And so Paul writes a letter to them and says, hey, I want to give you the scope of God's eternal plan. And so tonight I want us to look at kind of the scope of God's eternal plan. We'll be in Ephesians 1, and uh, the first three verses are kind of like a welcome, and so I want to jump right into verse 4. It'll be up on the screen, and we'll be going through the NLT version. Verse 4, even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us while we belong to his dear son. He's so rich 
in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. We see this big eternal scope that, that when God looks at humanity and every single one of us, it gives him pleasure to say, I have a plan of salvation for them. I've got a plan to adopt them and bring them into my family. I have a plan for them to live a life that's holy, a plan for them to live a life for me completely, that God in the bigness of everything is able to say, I have a plan here. But anytime you have a plan, it requires some type of action. And so we see that God moved forward in action when it came to his plan. And there's words here that he uses, like he chose us, action word. Holy, action word. Without fault, action word. Grace, action word. Rich in kindness, action word. Freedom, action word. Forgave, action word. There's this action that God took place moving towards us in every single one of our problems and situations. So at my house, we're trying to get it ready to sell, uh, which is kind of cool. And I've realized something on my front walk-in, okay? So I walk to my front door, and there's, like, the roof lining, and then there's, like, the vinyl right here, okay? And so I've noticed over the past couple months that a little bit of water drips uh, behind my vinyl, okay, just a little bit. And I was like, oh, it just rained, no big deal at all. Um, It's not a big deal. And so I was like, cool, well, now that I'm getting ready to sell the house, I want to do everything I can to check every little spot in the house. And so all of a sudden, one day, I just thought, I should maybe check on this little drip. And, uh, you know, my house came through drip, drip, okay? And so I wanted to check a little bit on this drip and see uh, if it's a big deal or not. And I went into my garage and went above my roof and realized most of my plywood there is completely soaking wet. And the little problem I thought that I had actually was just an indicator of a much bigger problem. And so now I'm thinking, well, guess what? I can't just let this little drip go. I've got to solve the root and the source of this problem. And I've got to fix whatever it is that's causing this little indicator to kind of, to kind of be revealed a little bit. And, and what I love about God in an action word coming to us is that when he comes to us, it also says this, that, that when it comes to your problems, there's action required on each of our parts as well. And the truth of it is this, that, that first we have to understand that God doesn't solve our problems, but the first thing we do need to understand is this, that it's actually quite the opposite. Because first what God does is reveal our problems. That life with Jesus actually reveals our problems. That those little drips we see in our lives, those little mess-ups we see, those little indicators of something broken, actually life with Jesus will make you more and more see the cause root of those problems. And that sounds really scary, but let me tell you, that's the starting point. That life with Jesus will actually reveal more of our problems. It'll make us more aware of our emotions and maybe the sin of where we're at. It'll make us more aware of our struggles and more aware of our habits and more aware of our decisions. And maybe not right away, but the longer you do life with Jesus, the more aware you become of your internal problems the more you become aware of your actions and your motives and your outlooks. So the first truth I wanted to wrestle with a little tonight is that life with Jesus actually reveals our problems. Because sin is a way bigger deal than sometimes we make it out to be. Like sometimes we just think it's that little drip. Sometimes we just think it's that little thing no one sees or it's that little mess up. But here's the truth. Sin really is a big deal to God. Like, he doesn't say holy and then have an asterisk next to it that's just like, holy, but uh, not a big deal. Like, sin put Jesus on the cross 
our sin, our internal, our personal sin. Sin's a big deal to God. And life with Jesus is really this, that when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to God to conforming you to look like his son. You're saying, God, now that the blinders are off, we'll, we'll kind of treat it like that, that beforehand, guess what, like think of a house with all the window blinders on, that when you say yes to Jesus, those blinders come off and the light rushes in, and you're saying, you know what, God, yes to you conforming me more into the image of your son. And the way he does that is by revealing to us our problems, revealing to us more our struggles, more our sin, and conforming us into the image of his son. And I love that it says he pours out richness and kindness and grace. And this word grace being something that we don't deserve, but how do you know you don't deserve something unless you're reminded of it every once in a while? And so God in his goodness, in his richness, in his kindness, he does remind us of our problems, and he does continue to reveal our problems. Why? Because he said we are supposed to be holy without fault in his eyes. That light now in is working its way to extinguish the darkness first in us. Like I said, that's a starting point. And a scary point at that, you mean like God's going to show me all of my problems? There's a good chance, absolutely. But God never leaves you in your problems alone. Because it goes on in verse 8, and he says this, that Jesus, he's now showered us, his, showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. See, life with Jesus, it, it gives us strength for our problems. Yes, it reveals our problems, but what it does is it actually gives us strength to work our problems. And I think a lot of times the prayer is this, God, can you eliminate this problem? God, can you deal with this problem? But I love that this verse says this, that, that he's given us wisdom and understanding. Why would he give us wisdom and understanding if he's not asking us to work some of these things out through his strength? Like we pray and we would say, God, can you just get rid of this struggle? God, can you just get rid of this outlook? Can you just get rid of these emotions? And he's like, you know, as much as that would be great for you, if I eliminate the very instrument that shows you I need or you need my strength, I'm not really doing any good. And, and the truth is this, when it comes to our problems, why would God reveal or why would God eliminate an instrument he is using in each of our lives to show our need for him? And I said we're going to wrestle with some tough things here some hard truth that I don't think that God is in the business of just eliminating our problems. I think God is in the business of seeing our, our, our problems as opportunities for his strength to be in our lives. You see someone like Paul who here in Ephesus, and you guys walked through Romans 8 a while ago, correct, of, of just this, this, this thorn that God never removed and, and God just saying, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. Like I'm more than enough for you. God is essentially saying this, I'm not gonna eliminate the very anchor that you're connected to me with. I'm not gonna pull that. Why? Because I want to use my strength in your life as an opportunity for how you walk through some problems. Kind of like this. I'm a dad of two boys, five and three. They're crazy, okay? Um, in the best way and the worst way at the same time, okay? They're just crazy. And uh, they share a room together, which is 
awesome and also really, really messy because they, like, wrestle 24-7 and then, like, have music instruments in there. And, uh, and they're just boys, okay? They're just messy, okay? So, uh, so I say this every once in a while to them. Me and Rachel do. Boys, you need to clean up your room. And then they flip. Like, no, why? Why do I have to clean up a room? Why do you got to do this? Why? And I was like, well, because I asked you to. Remember, in this house, we put away things that we got out. And in this house, we, we work on keeping things clean every once in a while. And so it throws them off like crazy. But I can tell you this. If I walk up to them and I say this, hey, we are together. We're going to clean up your room. They're like, you're going to do this with us? Like, yeah, I can't wait to pick up the train set for the 900th time. It's going to be awesome. Like, let's do it. Like, but, but me as a dad, I walked into that situation. I said, we are going to tackle this problem together. We are going to clean up together. See, the beautiful thing about Jesus is you have it together. That no, he might not eliminate the problems, but you have it together with him to walk through them. And the heart of a father says this, that guess what? I'm, I can't eliminate things that are going to grow you, train you, and conform you into the image of my son. And so I don't walk into my kid's bedroom and I don't clean up for them all the time. And I don't just leave them to clean up by themselves all the time. There's a lot of times I walk in there and I say, we're going to do this together. And there might be some things in your life you've been praying and dying and just wish that God would take away. And and God's probably wanting to show you that I'm not going to eliminate that. And the reason being is because it's an opportunity for us to do something together. It's an opportunity for us to have my strength displayed in your life with some of these situations. And so we're moving a little bit from the fact that God reveals these struggles to God gives us strength to walk through these struggles. And then it ends with just this beautiful truth that Paul writes this. Starting in verse nine, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ which is to fulfill his own good plan. So that's saying this. There's a plan that God has for every single thing and every single person. And this is the plan, verse 10. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God, for he chosen us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his, what's the last word? Plan. At just the right time, everything will be brought under Christ's authority. Not in our timing, not in our way, but in his will and in his timing. Here's the last kind of truth when it comes to problems is this, that life with Jesus will redeem our problems. First, it'll reveal our problems and continually do so. Second, it'll give us strength to fight and walk through those problems. But the third thing is, is that we have a promise that one day at his time, everything will be brought underneath his authority. And he will redeem every single problem. I kind of want us to wrestle with this tension for a second. Like, what is your current problem that you are facing? Or which one is God revealing to you in this moment? Or which one has just been the same one forever? And, and tonight, kind of understand the truth of this, that whatever that may be, 
it's all underneath the authority of Christ. It's all in his timing to produce his will in his way for his good. And so, no, God might not fix our problems, but one day it will be redeemed in his time. So what's that current problem that maybe you are you're facing? And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with, with you on mine. I, I can't share it completely always with the students because they're minors, but my current problem is this, that two months ago to this day, my dad died from cancer. Now, some of you have lost family. Some of you have lost different things. I get that. Everybody, but like, I'm not asking what everybody else's problem is for you. I'm asking what is your problem you're facing. And so I'm wrestling with some of the emotions behind that. I'm wrestling with some of the goodness behind that because my dad didn't know Jesus, and I've you know, served Christ for like nine plus years now. My dad finally gets to know Jesus, and then he dies. And I'm like, this was supposed to be the best part of our relationship. Like what happened? You know, like I'm wrestling with some real emotion behind this. But I'm trusting that everything is underneath his authority. And everything that is underneath Christ's authority is called victorious. And so what is yours? Here's some promises that I've realized because when you give everything of your life and you understand that every single problem is underneath Christ's authority, you can come to know some promises. And the first one is this, that really our problems are not permanent, whatever they may be. They're not permanent. That your family problem isn't permanent. That your job problem isn't permanent. That your school problem isn't permanent. That your car problem isn't permanent. That your house isn't permanent. And some of these other things, you're like, well, they are permanent because I'm always going to struggle and I'm always going to have habits and there's always going to be brokenness in my world. But here's the truth. Permanent to us in this world, in the flesh, is still temporary to a holy, perfect Sovereign God. But do we trust that? Do we trust our temporary problems still being underneath the authority of Christ? Another one is this, that our problems point us to Jesus. Point us to Jesus. That, that, when, we, that when he reveals something in our lives as an issue or as a struggle or as a problem, it's really just this big finger that's saying, take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Like, when's the last time have you allowed your problem to just actually drive you to Jesus? And not so that he can fix it, but so that he can strengthen you in it. So that you can still understand that he's good even when good things don't happen to me. And the last one is this, and this is one I've realized more and more my prayer would be for you as we continue to conform into the image of his son is this, that how we handle our problems, that points others to Jesus. Like how you handle your internal struggles shows people who your savior is. How you handle how you view the brokenness of our world shows people who your savior is. So where's, where's your problem tonight? What are you wrestling with tonight? And see, when it comes to our problems, is this the good news, the gospel is, is not that our Savior solves all of our problems. That's not what the good news is. The good news is that our need for a Savior 
that problem, he solved it. That's the good news. So tonight, the, the, the worship team's going to come up. And I just want to pose this question a little bit. What if we worship tonight like we truly believed that everything was under Christ's authority? What if we worshiped of saying, God, whatever my problem is, I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to believe that it is underneath your authority? So this is what I want to do real quick, and it can be awkward, and I'm cool with that because I won't be here next week, so you don't have to, like, deal with me, okay? So go ahead and stand up. Because I think we're, we're hitting on some, uh, some root levels here, not just some of the drip, but some of the brokenness that each of us feel maybe in our lives. And God's wanting to use it to draw you in. And so this is what I want you to do. With the person next to you, I want you to pray for their strength and point them to Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's awkward. It's cool. Don't worry about it. I, I think sometimes the most perfect place God works is in the awkwardness. Because it ain't about us anymore. And if you're vulnerable and cool enough and open enough to just say, like, hey, every single one of us, we have internal problems, and every single one of us, we have external problems, but if we can both believe together that it's underneath Christ's authority and that he has grace for us to get through these things, well, here's the thing. Like, share a little bit what's going on. Hey, this is the problem I'm facing right now. Can you, can, can you pray with me? And so do this. Do, do something bold. And go ahead right now with the person around you, next to you, whatever that looks like, and just begin a quick conversation about a problem, whatever that may be, and bring each other to Jesus with it. Go ahead and do that.
Go ahead and take like 30 seconds to wrap up. you guys stand? Lord, tonight we choose to worship you. Yes, with song, God, yes, with words, but even more important, before we even start there, God, we choose to worship you by giving you our lives. And by declaring that every single problem, God, that the sting of death, God, this thing of hell in the grave, that Jesus, that all authority is underneath you and we trust you. And God, as much as we would want to believe that you're here to just solve all of our problems the way that we would want them, more importantly, God, you solved the separation between us and you with your son. And if we got nothing else, we have everything. And so God, tonight we choose to worship you like everything is in your hands and in your control. Whatever timing that looks like, whatever way that looks like, would you do through would you reveal that to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, conforming us more and more to your image? We thank you here tonight. It's in your name. Amen.